Take your Bibles, join me in Hebrews 10. Hebrews chapter 10, we continue our series in Anchor for the Soul. As you do that, I wanna make you aware that through your generosity of Grace Go in our local missions, our Grace Global Outreach includes reaching East Tennessee, North America, and the world for Christ. And the Bible teaches us that true religion is taking care of widows and orphans. So we have reached out with a sizable gift for Officer Blakely's family who lost his life in the line of duty um, less than two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago this past Sunday evening that occurred. And then Jeremy Hutchins' family, who was killed uh, on, as he was working in a construction accident. And we have reached out, and on your behalf, we have given them some gifts financially just to tell them we love them. They're not part of our church family, but they are part of our family of, of this community. And so we have loved them well, and thank you for your generosity allowing us to do that. And uh, I also want us to remember to continue praying for Israel and our friends there. Looks like... Um, these ground strikes are imminent, and there will be those innocents in harm's way. Uh, I know they've been warned, but still, we're going to pray for them. Some of you have reached out asking me about um, what can I read, what can I study to learn more about this. Let me encourage you to go to a website. I've worked with these guys for many years. It's called Chosen People Ministries. You can just Google them, Chosen People Ministries. And so uh, they've put out some articles, not even recently, some from a while back. But they're going to kind of help you understand why Israel is so important, both as a land and a people in the biblical narrative, and why it is important today that we pray for them, that we support them. And so just check that out, Chosen People Ministries, and I think that'll answer some of your questions. We are looking at Hebrews 10, and we started learning a verse last week from uh, verse 23, Hebrews 10, 23. Let's throw it up on the screen. Let's say it again, then I'm going to put some blanks in there. Very important verse. We'll study it today. We'll finish chapter 10 uh, next week, and um, this is just a great verse. It's it's really all about what we're going to talk about today. So join me in saying this aloud. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Good. We're going to hold fast. We're going to have confidence. We're going to have boldness. We're going to have assurance. We're going to talk about all of that today. Hold firm. Hold fast. The what? Confession of our hope. What is our confession? It is that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is our Savior. To the glory of God the Father, we confess Christ. And Christ alone is the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no woman, no boy, no girl comes to the Father but by Him. That is the confession of our hope. And we articulate that and we live that out without wavering for he who promised is what church faithful now let's say it with some blanks you ready here we go let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful that's it now today I'm gonna transition weird transition but I'm gonna talk about some bugs for a minute they're called the Beatles y'all heard of them before I'm going to talk about the Beatles. They wrote a song. It was released 54 years ago. In fact, October the 6th, one day before my birthday, just in case y'all missed that a week or so ago, one day before my birthday, October 6th, 1969. That was a few years before I came into the world. But they wrote a song with some of the weirdest lyrics I have ever heard in my life. See if y'all have ever heard this. Here come old flat top, he come grooving up slowly, he got juju eyeballs, he won holy roller. Anybody heard this before? 
Yeah, okay. He got hair down to his knee, got to be a joker. He just do what he please. He wear no shoe shine. He got toe jam football. That sounds nasty. He got monkey finger. I mean, what are they talking about, right? And so I love to know where songs have come from. Being one who's tried to write a little bit and having family who writes and our church is getting into grace worship, writing our own stuff. But John Lennon, who wrote that, was interviewed about its meaning. And so in a 1980 interview, this is what he said, and I quote, the song was gobbledygook created in the studio. <laughs> Lennon himself who wrote it said, it really has no meaning. I don't know what it means, but it's the chorus of that song that while I was preparing this message, it's funny how things work, but while I was preparing this, this chorus just kept coming to me over and over and over. And I said, this is what we need to hear. I know you can hear maybe some of the, the instruments. Dun, dun, da, 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 dun. Now, I know some of y'all know this. You've probably heard, come together right now. What's next? Oh, bunch of heathens. I knew it. All of y'all out here, come together right now with me. Now, let me tell you why I was thinking that. If Jesus himself could speak to his church right here, right now, this day, I think what he might say is, hey, come together right now over me. I think that's a message that the church needs to hear. Now, next time you hear that song, I want you to think about all the rest of it. I have no idea what you do with that. But at least that line of the chorus, come together right now over me. So that's our theme for today, come together. We have this incredible chapter on the insufficiency of man's sacrifices, the perfect fulfillment of Christ once for all sacrifice. And what he's saying is, look, come together. And you're going to hear one of the most oft quoted verses by preachers, particularly by pastors that they've ever used. But rarely does the pastor give you the context for the text. So today we're going to set the context of that very, very famous verse that will end our section today. So as we honor the reading of God's word, stand with me. Let's pick up verse 11. We'll go to 25. 11 to 18 is very much a restating and a synopsis of what we've already studied. We'll fly through that rather quickly and then focus in on the last half of our passage. Verse 11, Hebrews 10. And every priest stands ministering daily. Remember, no seats around the tabernacle nor the temple except the mercy seat of God and no human being dare sit there. They stand ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. Why? Because animal blood can't cleanse human sin. But... This man, capital M, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. We've talked a lot about that. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Hey, if you're a Christian, that's about you. If you're a Christian, God is maturing you, perfecting you, sanctifying you, setting you apart. He's doing that work in you because you trusted in the once for all sacrifice of his son. And he says, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, we have a very long Jeremiah 31 quote. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds, I will write them. And he adds, their sins are their law and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. 
Man, that's good. Now, where there is remission or forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, what does that mean? Because Jesus took care of our sin debt, because he will not remember your sin once it is confessed and cleansed by the blood, not covered by animal blood, cleansed by Jesus' blood, once that is accomplished, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That's the holy place, that cubicle structure, the holy of holies, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, because of all of that, because Jesus has made a way, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us, notice it's plural. He's saying it again. Let us, let us. Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And third time, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And then that verse, all the preachers love, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching Let me tell you one thing you need to remember about what's happening in the Holy Land right now. It is just another sign of the day approaching when God is going to culminate everything he's been teaching us through the word and we're going to enter into that eschaton. And folks, I'm telling y'all, we must be ready to see our Lord face to face. Whether through death or rapture, we are going to soon be united with our Savior, and we, as the people of God, must come together over him right now. Lord, we love you, we thank you, we praise you for your word, your truth, without mixture of error. You have spoken, now let us have eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to take in the truth. The law no longer merely written on stone tablets, but on the very hearts and minds of the people of God who now are the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. For you dwell not in temples made with hands, but in each one of us who loves Jesus. Let us come together right now over you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, guys, be seated. So some important lessons, very simple lessons here. Don't miss number one. It sets the stage for two, three, four. Come together with Jesus. Come together with or over Jesus. So we look back in 11 through 18, and we've studied, essentially we've studied all of these concepts before, and there's a lot of repetition here because remember, repetition is the root of learning, and and this is an oral and oral culture, and so they're hearing it, and they're hearing it again, and they're hearing it again, and we have a repeated quote from Jeremiah 31. In fact, when we were back in chapter 8, I talked to you about this quote. Interestingly enough, in chapter 8, it is the longest sequential Old Testament quote, meaning not broken up. It's the longest sequential Old Testament quote in the New Testament. God said this is important. God said the words of this great prophet are important. You need to listen up to what he is saying. And so what he's essentially saying is in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the law was external. God's covenant, God's law was written on tablets of stone at Mount Sinai. 
But in the new covenant, in the New Testament, these are now written on the hearts and minds of people. And when I think about that, these words come to mind that you've heard me use before. Obligation transforms to adoration. So what you had to do, you now get to do. As I was saying in our green room over here before our first service, don't just let us work today, let us worship. If I have to stand here and preach to you a message that I have not first preached to myself and that the spirit of the living God has not brought alive in me, then it's not going to land today. And I hope by the end you're going to leave and say, well, I don't know if I believe it, but at least he believes it. I want you to know that I believe what I'm telling you today. And I want you to believe it too. I want you to be part of the family of God. We're going to talk a lot about that. But I want this thing to turn from obligation, I have to, to adoration. I get to. And that's what this text is teaching. I want you to remember Psalm 119, 9 to 11. Check it out on the screens. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart, I have sought you. Let me not wander from your commandments. And y'all know this, your word I have hidden in my heart, not just in the book, on my heart, I've hidden it that I may not sin against you. See guys, it's important for you and for me to get in the word every day so that the word can get into us. We get into it so that it gets into us. That's why we spend the time with the word of the living God in prayer, in study, remembering the law could reveal sin, but the law could not cleanse sin. The law doesn't justify sinners. It reveals the nature of our sin. Remember the law, a thermometer, but it is the gospel that is the thermostat. The gospel makes the difference. The good news of Jesus transformed. And I would ask you today, are you obeying God? Are you here? Are you worshiping? Are you serving out of obligation or adoration? Which is it? It really is not going to be both. You'll never come together with the one true and living God unless you start with Jesus. So once we come together with Jesus, I'm united to Jesus by grace through faith, then I come together with God with boldness. I love this word, boldness. It says in verse 19, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest or the holy of holies by the blood of Jesus. That word could be translated courage. That word could be translated confidence. It might even mean decisiveness. You know, when you hear that, they want a decisive victory. I'm glad the Vols won, praise God. It was a great victory. But my Tar Heels had a more decisive victory. And I'm just, I'm just gonna shoot y'all straight. You say, well, you can't really cheer for both. Oh, can I? Yes, I can. I was born in North Carolina. They're my ACC team. Of course, we never really cheered for them in football all that much till as of late. But I was raised up in the Michael Jordan era. And the truth is, if the two teams fight, I'm sorry, Greg, cover your ears. But if the two teams were to battle it out, I bleed blue, baby. I'm just telling you right now. But Holly graduated from UT. Hannah's a student at UT. Daddy's paying money to UT. Or I did. Hannah's covered. But Holly, oh well. Anyway, Daddy paid money. Listen, the reality is I got every right to put on the tee. And it was a great game yesterday. But my boys against Miami, that's why you saw that a lot, not that, but that. My boys had a decisive, a more decisive victory. And so when we come to God through the blood of Christ, we can be decisive. We can be assured this giant veil, this curtain was torn when Jesus died on Calvary's cross. I want you to think about that, guys. 
He says we have boldness to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us. He set it apart through the veil. That is his flesh. As his flesh was being torn, so too the veil was being torn. Now think about this veil, guys. It it separated the holy place from the holiest place, the holy of holies. That place the high priest could only enter into once a year and through the blood of another, through the blood of bulls and goats over and over and over. But think about it. In the time of Christ, the temple veil was about 60 feet high. Jewish tradition says, not the Bible, but Jewish tradition says it was about four inches thick. Now, I don't know, but I know it was huge and it was heavy and it was a very, very serious barrier. And so it makes these words light up all the more. Look at Matthew 27 with me. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and he yielded up his spirit. I'm sorry, Greg, I apologize. I take it back. He said, no more box seats. I'm really sorry. Don't text the preacher when he's preaching. So look, (laughs) the veil of the temple. I apologize. I bleed orange and blue. So the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. It says the earthquake, the rocks were split. Think about it. The rock of ages is being split. The literal literal rocks are being split. The temple is tearing from heaven toward earth, from God to man. And why did it tear? What was God saying? Whosoever will may come. All of you are welcome now. You don't have to go to a high priest because Jesus is the high priest. Jesus is the prophet, priest, and king. And look at it, it says, in whom? In Christ Jesus, this is Ephesians 3. We have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Look at Hebrews 4.16, we've already studied this. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Guys, you get boldness through the blood. Now I will say, uh, since Greg brought it up, we did get to go down because he had these fancy passes. I don't know who you know, dude, but he had these fancy passes that we actually got to go down to the field. And I just realized how big those dudes are and how not big we are. It was incredible standing there right beside of some of these linemen. And I'm just grateful to God that I'm not called to play football. I'm just grateful that I'm a preacher because I'm telling you, if one of them big boys came running at me, all padded up like that, I think I'd just lay down in a fetal position or pull something out. And no, I'm just kidding. But the reality is, it is crazy what access will get you. It's like around here, you'll see a lot of our staff with badges. I, I forget to clip mine on and so I have it with me all the time. I just happen to keep it in my wallet. And so when I go up to a door here, almost all of our doors have these access points. I just hit my wallet to it just like I would do with like a hotel room key because here lives my badge. And it gives me access. I guess it gives me access to about everything around here. I really don't, I hope so, I don't know. But wherever I need to go, I go boop. But all of these badges are not the same. Not every badge gives equal access to every place. There's some doohickey in this, I guess, baked in, that allows me to have access. It talks with the computer. And here's the coolest thing ever, guys. 
We are going to have this life for just a sliver of eternity, just a a vapor, a sliver. And then we are going to enter through the door of death into either heaven with the Lord or hell apart from God. And that is not unkind nor unloving to say. We'll either be with God forever or away from God, separated forever. But we can have access today. A badge that will never let us down. Something that's not contingent upon a computer. Something you don't have to keep in your wallet because you've got him in your heart. If you will go through the access of Jesus Christ, you can have eternity with God. And you don't even have to wait until you die or the rapture to be with him. As a Christian, you can say, Lord, and you have the ear of your creator, God. You say, but I'm not a Christian. I wanna talk to God. Okay, but the only way you're going to go to God is through Jesus. He's the access. You regard iniquity in your heart. You think you can get to God on your good works. Your prayers go no higher than this ceiling. If you want access to the God who created you, trust in Jesus Christ. And when you've trusted Christ, you have boldness. I mean, look, haven't any of you, maybe you were a kid, maybe you were a teenager, have any of you ever been somewhere you ought not to have been? Anybody ever go to a little fishing pond you didn't have permission to fish in? Now, I would certainly never do that, but some of y'all probably did. Anybody ever go swim in the rock quarry and you shouldn't have been there? Anybody ever go behind a door that you shouldn't have been behind? I'm sure I can't be the only guy that ever snuck somewhere I shouldn't have been. And what do you do when you're in the place you shouldn't be? You're twitchy. You're nervous. Because if somebody comes up to you that knows you don't have authority to be there, they can boot you out. But see, you don't have to be nervous when you're walking through this life as a Christian. You don't have to be twitchy. Everybody's so scared that around the next corner, the death angel just may be waiting for them and they don't know what happens next. I'm telling you as a child of God, I know what happens next. I've read the end of the story. I know that when I close my eyes in this life, I open them in the presence of my creator God. And I'm not alone, am I? Aren't those of you out there that know Jesus, aren't you confident and bold today that you have found the new and living way? Yeah, come on. No restrictions. It's not like this badge. It goes with him every time. Come together with Jesus. Come together with boldness. I love this word. Come together with assurance because that's what some of you guys are lacking right now. You've got to have assurance. You know, when a kid comes to me, especially a child, and says, I just don't know, or a teenager, I just don't know, I have them requote John 3.16. I've done it with my own kids in the past. Requote John 3.16. Let's do it. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have. Now, how long y'all reckon that lasts? Y'all understand that language right there? I East Tennessee defied that for you. How long does that everlasting life stuff last? So when you've trusted Christ, when you're not perishing, but you're walking in the gift of life he's given you through the finished work of Jesus, it lasts forever to have affirmation, guarantee, security. That's what 21 to 24 is getting at. He says, we come boldly into the holiest place through the veil of Christ's flesh, having a high priest over the house of God, 22. Three times we hear, let us, let us. Draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, right? Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. 
Let us come together and draw near in faith toward God. Let us come together and draw near in hope towards ourselves. Let us come together and draw near in love for God and for others. I want you to think about something because he says here, consider one another to stir up love and good works. What does the apostle Paul mean in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, when he says this? Y'all know this verse, now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is what? Love. Why? Why is the greatest of those love? Well, I want you to think about it. When you pass the portal of death, your faith becomes sight. You will know even as you are known. You will know the truth. I hope you're on the right side of the truth. I hope you're walking with the truth who is personified as Jesus. I hope you know the truth, but you will know. So faith becomes sight. Hope becomes fulfilled. Oh, I hope so. I think so. No, 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 no. When you see the Lord, you know so. You know your faith becomes sight, hope is fulfilled. What remains? The greatest of these, love. You have all of eternity to experience love of God and love of others. You have all of eternity to worship and serve and enjoy the new heavens and the new earth. Think about this, guys. Faith becomes sight, hope is fulfilled, love lasts. And he says, therefore, spur one another on. It's the act of stirring something up. Now, it can be used negatively. It's used negatively in Acts 15. He said, you're stirring up disagreement. Don't do that. Instead of stirring the pot with disagreement, stir up love and good works. It's in the positive sense. It stimulates other Christians. You know, uh, we were talking to friends of ours here at at Grace that had so graciously started a a very large gift for feeding the 5,000. And we were rejoicing in the fact that everything that comes in now from my family, from your families, will feed more than 5,000 people. Everything that we get now goes over and above to the exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or think. Everything now. We would say, you know, you'd say, well, that's gravy. It's in addition to, and it's a beautiful thing that we can celebrate and say, well, that spurs me on to be generous. That spurs me on to want to do more. Now, it doesn't mean to be pushy. It certainly doesn't mean to be arrogant. It means to walk in assurance, to come together with assurance. Um, let me see if I can explain it. I'll use two illustrations. You, teaching your kids to ride a bike, right? What do you do when you teach your kids to ride a bike? Do you just immediately pop off the training wheels and go, good luck? Well, you could, but I know what we do in 2023, right? We put like 17 pads on them. We duct tape them in bubble wrap. It's really weird. Those of us that grew up without pads, we're okay, really. We don't twitch that much. We're fine. But you know, you pad them up and you get the training wheels and they get comfortable. Then you take the training wheels up. What do you do? All of us have done it. If you got kids, you, you go with them for a while. And what do you do? They're bobbling and they're doing all of this and you reassure them. You're doing great. You're wonderful. Now you could be the kind of parent that says, what's wrong with you? Straighten the handlebars. I wouldn't recommend that either. But you know, you're doing good. You're doing great. And you're running and you and then eventually what do you got to do? Parents, what do you got to do? eventually you got to let them go. And are they going to fall? Are they going to get a boo-boo? Are they going to cry for their mommy? Probably. I've seen some Harley riders do that too. Man up, let's go. 
But the reality is there are steps, but all along the way, I am reassuring you to build your boldness, to build your confidence. It's just like watching little Bobby, who's not so little. I I was sitting in the deer stand for the first time this season this week. I got to go one evening. It was a beautiful night. And And I'm sitting there going through old hunting pictures, and I see Bobby and his first deer, six years old. And my crossbow's beside of him, about as tall as he was. And he had that little deer there, and it was awesome. And my mind flooded back to 11 years ago to helping him hold the front. And I couldn't do it for him or it would have been my deer, not his deer. But I said, now look through there and put that dot and we, you know what we've practiced. And so, but I still had to hold it. It was way too heavy for my little guy. But then just two years later, we're in an old chicken house behind a tarp with a little cutout. And one of the biggest turkeys I've ever seen in my life comes in and there's my boy with his little single brake barrel Rossi trifecta. He had his little 20 gauge and I had a little shooting stick. And this time I didn't need to hold the gun. He was a big boy. I held the little shooting stick steady. And that bird lands about 30 yards and hit guns bobbling around. And I said, now you know what to do, buddy. You gotta put that bead right there on that head. And he settled in. And he did a lot more for himself that time. And he was able to take that harvest. And we've done that many, many times since then with deer and such. And The more we do that, the more he does it on his own. The more he can do it. And I assure him, you you can do this. You've practiced this. I want to remind you guys, we have a heavenly father. And he loves you so much. He's going to be there with you. He'll be as close as your right hand. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. But he loves you enough to give you some freedom and say, here you go. And when you fall, because you will, he will be there to be with you and to dust you off. And you know where the children get in trouble? They don't take the father's help. I can do this on my own. I've got this, but they're not ready. And because the father knows more than the child, the father says, no, I'm here to help you. And at the right time, I will release you and allow you to do more on your own, but I'm here with you. And sometimes we as children want to do it all ourselves. but the reality is we can have assurance that our father is with us. We can have assurance that we have access and we can come boldly, not because we deserve it or have done anything, but because of what Christ has done in finishing the work at Calvary through his death, burial, and resurrection. And when we do all of those things, when we come with Jesus, with boldness and with assurance, then finally we've got to come together with your family of faith. Now there are two of those, right? There's the Catholic family of faith, and I don't mean the Roman Catholic Church. I mean the universal church. I mean there are brothers and sisters all over the world of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation that truly love and worship our God. And more are coming to faith every day, but we worship with them in eternity one day. But right now, we also have a family of faith that we call grace. It is our local body. At one time, they might have called it Ephesus or Galatia or Thyatira or Thessalonica, right? But, but God ordained this thing called the family of faith, the church. And he says, look, as you stir one another up to love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Some of these persecuted Jewish Christians, they're doing that. Some people feel the pressure and they stopped meeting with the body. He's not talking about your vacation, I'm not talking about not getting a fall break. I don't begrudge that at all. We as a staff know what it's gonna look like last weekend and this weekend. We know we're lower than normal because people get away with their family. I'm fine with that. 
there are going to be times I get away with my family. But the point is, you come back together soon because we're not going to forsake this. We're not going to give this over. We're going to come back together because there is real persecution happening then and now. And we're going to exhort, encourage one another. And even much more so as we see the day, the day that Jesus brings it all to consummation. As we see that day approaching, and folks, it's closer than it's ever been. You say, Pastor, when? Soon. Very soon. But, but is this the sign of the end time? It's one of many. We must be ready. We must gather together as the people of God to parakaleo, exhort. It's the same root word as we use for the Holy Spirit, which means a helper called alongside. Para, uh, beside, kaleo, to call. Parakaleo, two Greek words, smash them together to be the one called alongside. I am the one called alongside of you. You are the one called alongside of me. We spur one another on. We encourage one another. We help one another. We might poke and have fun at one another with our teams and our other things, But when it comes to the faith, we take that part seriously. We don't take ourselves too seriously, but we take this gospel seriously. You know, we know that Jesus is coming back, but you know, 25 years of ministry, guys, I think I've just about heard it all for why people stop gathering with the body of Christ. And so I've made a decision and I want you to hear me because I think after what I experienced this week and I have made a decision and see if this makes sense as you hear these things. Football in the fall, basketball in the winter, baseball in the spring and some of the summer. This pastor has been an avid sports fan his whole life, but I've had it. I'm making a declaration that I quit sports once and for all. You're not gonna get me near a stadium or a court or a field again. You know why? I'm gonna tell you my reasons that I'm not going back. Every time I go, it costs me money, and I feel like that's all they're out for, just to get my money. Some of the people I sit around at the sporting events don't even seem that friendly. You know what? The seats are pretty hard and not really that comfortable, and I have gone to so many games where the coach never personally came up and thanked me for being there. The referees made decisions I couldn't agree with. They made several yesterday I couldn't agree with. Truth is, I suspect some of the people who were so-called fans around me were really hypocrites. Can y'all believe that some folks go to these games just to hang out with friends or drink or see what others are wearing rather than watch the game? Some games went into overtime. I don't like running late. The band, the band had the gall to play some numbers that I didn't like. They weren't my old favorites. I don't like this newfangled stuff. Seems to me that the games are often scheduled when I want to do other things. And I am sick to death of this. I was taken to so many games as a child. My parents drug me to this game and drug me to that game. I tell you what I'm going to do as a parent. I'm not going to force my children to go to the games. I'm going to let them choose which team they're going to root for. I've had it. I've heard them all. And you silly, foolish parents that say you will not take your children to church. How dare you? You love them enough and you care for their eternity enough to say, just like my mom and daddy said, get up. (laughs) This is who we are. This is our identity. I love my children enough that in the Lewis house, this has never been an option. 
And by the way, they're not allowed to just root for any team they want either. It better be this blue or orange, period. The sons-in-law still have a lot of ways to go. How foolish it is that we make all these excuses. Those people around me aren't here for the right reasons. Look at all this. You know what I thought, guys, when we were leaving last night? It's what I thought, trying to chase y'all down to get back to the car. If only people were this eager to come to the house of the Lord. And if we don't have it just right with our parking and our air and our seats and our facilities. But you know what it really comes down to? Jesus is not calling us to be fans. He's calling us to be followers. And Jeff made a profound observation in the green room before the first service. He said, Pastor, when I looked out at Checkerboard Neyland yesterday, I really thought that's a beautiful picture of what the church should be. You studied up, you've paid attention, you know what you're responsible for, and when you get there, you live up to your response. Now that ugly A&M color, you know, that messed it up a little bit, but that orange and white and orange and white, it was gorgeous. It was beautiful looking at that. And I thought, wow, these people prepared. These people knew what they were in for. These people paid good money and they were excited to come and root for their team. And yet we go to church and it sounds too much like a funeral parlor and too many people look like they're sucking on lemons. And I can get crazy to game, but I'm telling you, I can get crazy for Jesus too. I can rally for my Lord and my Savior. I am born again, not the man I once was, not yet the man I'm going to be. And we can get loud out there. Can we get loud in here? Can we say praise God in here? I know, I know. Some of y'all are scared to death. You said, oh, there's a Pentecostal coming out of the preacher. Well, give me more of it then because the Holy Spirit's working here. Man, people are getting saved every week. Eternities are changing. And that's not just a football schedule. That's an eternity changing schedule. Think about what God is doing right here. Young man comes up to me, first semester at our academy. He's given his heart and his life to Jesus. He's growing in his faith. He says, pastor, I waited in this line to just just ask you, how can I be baptized? I want to follow Jesus and be baptized. Man, do you know how few places that's happening over and over and over and over, and yet God is being faithful here. Y'all show up when the boys are winning. Y'all come out there and celebrate when the guys in orange are getting the job done. I'm telling you, Jesus always has and always will get the job done. So team Jesus ought to get excited about what he's doing. The people of God ought to be just as excited about the work of the Lord as we are that little silly pigskin. And I love them both, but I'll take Team Jesus every day because he's always going to be the champion. You know that little chorus they wrote? I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. What is it, church? For I'm part of the family, the family of God. Are you excited that you're part of the family or not? Do you just check the box off or not? I mean, we get out here and we go crazy, and I'm fine with that too. But we've got to understand that the church is like Noah's ark. The stench inside would be unbearable were it not for the storm outside. I know it's not a perfect place. You don't have a perfect pastor or staff. 
You don't have perfect deacons or singers or players. They're good, but they're not perfect. And I know some people make you mad. Well, bless God, they sat in my seat. I ain't going back to that church. I can't stand that old loud rock music. I get it. It's all about you. And all this is for you. I exalt me. Folks, at the end of the day, this is not about you. This is not about me. This is not about grace, although this is a wonderful church family. Man, at the end of the day, this is about Jesus Christ, the one who gave his life for us, who paved the path for us to have a real relationship with God our Father. Eternity right here, right now, a full, abundant life, and we have a message to share with neighbors and the nations, and God's doing something up in this place. We ought to go out and tell somebody. You'll talk about your balls. Let's talk about Jesus for a bit, too. Let's make sure that people know him. I know, I, I know this isn't a perfect place. I get it. I know that you can hang meat in that lady's bathroom up there, gals. Y'all have told me 4,000 times, but I'm not an HVAC guy. I just pass it along. I know sometimes the toilet paper is on the way that you don't prefer, but I'm not a toilet paper specialist. All I can tell you is Jesus is doing something through this family of faith. If you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself, welcome to grace. I'm going to tell you right now, people are going to get saved at feeding the 5,000. Lives are going to get changed. A lot of hungry people are going to get fed, but a lot of lost people are going to be found. God's going to do something because we're prayed up and we're preparing and we're doing our part together. And when that happens, big things take place. Can you be saved without going to church? Uh, yeah. But once you're saved, you're going to want to be around your brothers and sisters in the faith. So don't make silly excuses. Don't talk about all the other hypocrites. People will tell me, well, I've heard of that, Grace. Y'all got a bunch of hypocrites down there. And I'll tell people, you know what? You should come too. One more won't hurt. <laughs> come together with Jesus. Come together with boldness. Come together with assurance. Come together with your family of faith. Now, I know y'all know this game. It's a great game. What is that? That's sort of like big boy Jenga, right? Big boy Jenga. And it's fun. I mean, you know, we've played Jenga. I've never played with blocks like this. But, you know, look, again, I'm not... I'm not the guy to begrudge your vacation. I'm, I'm really not. Let's see if I can find, here's one. I'm not the guy to get upset about that stuff. So you could be out a little bit, and that's okay. The Bible does equate the church to two things, a body. Well, it, uh, multiple things, including a, uh, the bride and the bridegroom, but we have the body. We have a building, the foundation of which and the chief cornerstone is Christ on which we've built. And so when you think about it, I know we can be out some, and I get that, and, and, and I'm not begrudging that. I'm not taking that from anybody. Enjoy, I get it. But then, you know, if you say, well, you know, another guy says, let's see, if I got, well, there's one. And you say, you know, we can, we can uh, be out a little bit more. And then it becomes easier, right? Things become easier when, when, you, uh, when you keep 
getting out. And y'all know y'all played this game. I know I'm doing it wrong because you can't really make all these other adjustments. But we can just keep taking these blocks out and we can keep doing all this stuff. And, and uh, you know, oh, look at that one. That one's going to come easy. Look. And you can say it's no big deal. So I'm out and I'm not doing my thing. I'm not part of the body. But I'm fine on my own. Well, number one, you're kind of puny on your own. You can always do more together than you can do apart. You can always accomplish greater things when you come together. You can always see God doing bigger things when you hold hands with your brothers and your sisters. But the more you say that stuff and you say, you know, I can do this, it's no big deal, it's no problem, eventually, now come on, eventually you know. If you let the enemy convince you that you're not important, that nobody really cares, that that's a big church and they won't see me, well, Bubba, it's up to you to build some relationships too. You got to get involved with folks and get in groups and get to serving and get to doing it with joy. Because if you continue to withdraw yourself, everybody here knows that eventually things come crashing down. And the thing that I've seen crash more than anything else is a life of one who claims to know God but keeps him or herself far from the people of God. Y'all understand what I'm saying today? I leave you with two words. Come together. Stand. I need you to pray for Israel even if you don't understand all of the ramifications in the history, I've told you when we started in Genesis, when we saw what happened through Abram when he got ahead of the Lord, when he went to her, Sarah's maidservant, and when Ishmael came into the, Ishmael came into the world pre-Isaac, there would be tension and there would be war until Christ, the Prince of Peace, made it all right at the end of time. You are seeing the fruition of what God has talked about for thousands and thousands of years. And all I'm saying is there are many people that are, quite frankly, innocent in the middle. They're extremists everywhere, but there are innocents in the middle. And we're praying for God's protection and favor. And we're praying for our friends there. And so I'm going to ask you to join me in praying. I'm going to ask you to continue to pray for those who've experienced loss in these days, that we as a church family have been able to love in practical ways. My granddaughter says, gee, Paul, that's enough, so I'm going to stop. But at the end of the day, guys, if you need to get something right with Jesus, if you need to make a fresh surrender to the Lord today, if you know there's been a weakness and you feel like the house is about to fall, come together right now over him. Thank you so much for watching us today. God is doing absolutely amazing things in and through our Grace Baptist Church family. If you'd like to share anything the Lord is doing in your life, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our app. And if you're ever in the Knoxville area, come by and worship with us and our family of faith here at Grace Baptist Church.